following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matt Keogh. Matt, how we doing? Oh, we're doing great. Matt and I are getting a little little snuggly here on the mics today, a little close, sharing a mic. Um, back again at the sideline to share more lacrosse stories. Uh, new varsity head coach at Grand Island Lacrosse, Andrew Williams. Andrew, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It's fun being here. No problem. Glad, glad. I know it was short notice. I think I asked you what yesterday. But like, um, can you come on to today's podcast? Yeah. yeah. And Andrew was like, no problem. Yeah, no worries. Absolutely. So we're here. We're gonna uh, start our episode. We're gonna come in hot. And weather's getting nice outside. Spring break is upon us. Um, it. I'm having a flashback to one of my. Uh, first trips that I took with my wife, first vacations, we went down to Vermont, um, did a nice little uh, trip down to Vermont, Lake Placid area. We had a tour. We took a tour of the Ben and Jerry's factory, which was, by the way, was awesome. It was really cool. End of the tour, they're giving out free samples, and it happened to be, the sample of ice cream happened to be something, I think it was uh, Tonight Dough, where it had peanut butter in it. And I'm allergic to peanut butter, peanuts, which my wife made sure to tell the, hold on, he's allergic to nuts, he's allergic, like, totally called me out. Lady was super nice about it. She's like, hold on, well, I'll go get another sample. Literally, where ice cream is born, Ben & Jerry's factory could have gotten Cherry Garcia, could have gotten uh, cookie dough, anything. What does this lady come back with? A big bowl of lemon sorbet. Lemon sherbet. Lemon sorbet. The land of ice cream. I didn't even get rainbow rainbow sherbet. Rainbow sorbet. I got lemon. Like the most blandest. That's like, that's like, it's just unbelievable. Like just the most blandest of ice creams in the factory where some of the best ice creams are made. And I walk out of there with lemon sorbet because I had a peanut allergy. That, that, that deserves a, like a one star on Yelp. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was so disappointed. Now, of course, we went upstairs and I got my, you know, big um, monster style of uh, size of Cherry Garcia, my favorite. But that you had to pay for it. That though. I had to pay for, yeah. while everybody else was rocking free samples of Tonight Dough. And of course, uh, Sarah and Vicky were found it hysterically funny, and still uh, tease me to this day about it. But. Yeah, I got. I went to the Ben and Jerry's factory, and got free lemon sorbet. So I was extremely happy. And it, has that, have you either of you guys had lemon sorbet or lemon? How do you say it? sorbet? Sherbert? I I think there's technically a difference between is there, the two. I don't know what it is, but I I think they are two separate things. Really? I thought it was just the pronunciation. That's how much I know about lemon sorbet. No, uh, I mean I I have I I don't know which one I've had, but I I have had it, and it's nice in its own right but it's not, isn't it more like when you're like at a tasting or whatever they kind of it's like a cleansing of the palate type deal they give it to you yeah. to get ready for your next meal so you can cleanse the palate yeah 
Oh, my palate was plenty cleansed. Uh, <laughs> it made the Cherry Garcia taste better. Anyways. There you go. So that was my uh, coming in hot. No, I don't either. I but Ben and Jerry's lemon sorbet. They had to go got, next door. I got like <laughs> I got Wegman's brand. <laughs> they had to go to the Wilson Farms next door. They knocked out. I'm like, we got another peanut allergy. They pulled it back from like 1972. It was in the freezer. Crap! What do we got back there? Oh, let's dust this off. What is this lemon sorb sorbet? Lemon sorbet. Lemon sorbet. Right. Eh. Close enough. Doesn't have peanuts in there. In fact, have either of you guys been to the Ben and Jerry factory? No. It's really cool. One of the one of the areas they have like um. A gravesite of all the old, the discontinued flavors in there. They had one that was like plum pudding. I mean, it was just some nasty stuff, but it was it was pretty cool. They had I don't know, there were probably like thirty or forty different flavors that at one point Ben and Jerry's made, but no longer made. So they have the like the, the, like the failed flavors. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, like not, f- not like really good ones that they should bring back. Just like all like the crap ones. There were a few that I thought sounded good, but probably tasted terrible. Okay. But yeah, it was all the failed flavors um and it had like how long they ran from like some only ran for like a year some ran for like three or four years um so i thought that was pretty i thought that was pretty neat so it was a nice little marketing tool there on the i noticed lemon sorbet was not in the gravestone graveyard so they still make it somehow (laughs) somehow they make it but all right so andrew Starting off the lacrosse season, um, now this is your first year as the varsity coach. How's it going so far? Um, it's it's going. Um, we are at about I think it's two and three is our record. Um, you know we've had some some big wins, we've had some big losses, um, a couple of uh, league losses and a league win. So you know, we're, we're battling around 500. We got a couple of games coming up after break that we're, you know, obviously hoping to win, uh, league games, you know? So, uh, yeah, we got, we got some, we got some talent. We got some, some promising guys on the roster and, you know, all that coach talk. (laughs) I was going to say all the, uh, all the buzzwords. Yeah. (laughs) Um, going into the season though, did you find that you, um, like it was a little different preparing for the season as a, even as a coach, like as opposed to preparing for modified or preparing for JV. Like, did you find it a little more challenging preparing for it, a little more time intensive? Um, how was the difference kind of hopping from um, from the lower level up to varsity? I was definitely a lot more rushed, um, I realized, because on modified, um, you know, we would have to recruit a lot of people to play, but we would start maybe a week or two after um JV and varsity but our first games wouldn't have been until you know well after break like uh talking to our our current modified coach they haven't had a game yet and they only started a week after us um so they've had plenty of time to you know work on their stick skills and get prepared and for varsity we have to have six practices before we can play in our mm-hmm. first scrimmage and we had six opportunities to practice before our first scrimmage and Part of that was on me, um, but yeah, it's just it's very rushed um, trying to get get the games in. Um, we've had a couple of cancellations, we've had to make up, and we already have you know two and three game weeks that I'm trying to squeeze extra games into. And um, you know, with this spring break, you know we can't like I, I saw there was a track meet th- this past weekend, and I was like, how are they having a track meet? You know, people are gone. I can't. 
I couldn't have had a game. I don't expect my players to be around. Yeah, we. Uh, I forgot what I think it was the sweet home invite that was going on this weekend. We decided not to go. I mean, I would have. I would have been bringing maybe seven girls. I know the guys' team would have been bringing maybe twelve or thirteen. Yeah. I mean, a lot of kids are off on break, or simply just can't make it. Yeah. Um. But it, like I said, it's been a little rushed. Um. Plus, making that jump, um, I had to try to reach out to all the players from last year. Um, who I was expecting to come back and make sure that they were coming back. Um, there were a couple that weren't, um, a couple that I thought were, and you know ended up not. A couple that I didn't think were coming back and did. Um, and then I had to you know refresh my memory as to who was actually on JV to see you know what kids I had coming up as juniors, um, just to figure out numbers and what I had to do. Um, and then we have a, a pretty talented freshman class that I had to think about if I had room and if I wanted to bring any of them up to varsity. So it was just a lot to, uh, you know, go over, um, you know, as well as get some schemes in place and some sets in place to prepare for our first scrimmage and then our first game almost immediately afterwards. Now, I was going to say, especially with some of the – now, the weather's been great this week, um, but especially in the earlier season – did you guys miss, like, was it tough just having to stay inside, especially when I think it was last week we were getting snow at some point? I mean, was it was it tough staying inside and doing a lot of the drills well, in the gym, or did you guys just kind of push through and, and stay outside? Yeah, we braved the conditions. Um, I, I, you know, I tell my guys, like, we have to play no matter what. Well, not no matter what, but we have, you know, we, we play outside. We don't play lacrosse inside, so, you know, we got we to gotta deal with it. And I even, um, I was... Uh, sending a message to our baseball coach who creates the the schedule for all the gyms to the gym availability and I was saying oh we're not going to use any of our indoor gym times he's like you you sure even if it's you know raining or snowing I'm like well kind of have to you know figure out how to deal with it so no no we're not going to come inside um I think there was one day that we had a practice and this might have been preseason like a voluntary thing and the snow was coming down hard and the field was just covered white. We could barely see the balls. We had to we had to call it quits after a while. Um, but yeah, I, I remember a game in college where it was the the wind chill was probably below freezing, and I wasn't playing at the time. And I had to stand on the sideline the entire game, you know, with the uh, the latex gloves on my hands, oh. just to uh, you know help keep them warm and brave the elements and we had piles of snow all around the field and we just had to deal with it so yeah we we stayed outside we were pretty blessed with weather for the most part there wasn't anything too severe so yeah that was pretty good yeah i was gonna say it's been uh, especially with us with track like we indoor we stay obviously inside the entire time pretty much running hallways which stinks uh, we try to get once we get outside we'll move um We'll move equipment out. We'll move shot puts out. Uh, we'll get some of the uh, track and field, like the pole vaulting mats and all that stuff outside. So when we make that jump outside, there's pretty much no turning back. And it does get uh, where you get those cold snaps. You get those, I think, one one of the weeks we had uh, where it got th- uh, was below 30 degrees. So we canceled one, and then it was like, all right, well, you know what? We have our locker room areas all right, we're doing, uh, we're lifting in the back room and we're doing core and, you know, the kids don't like it, but at the same point, it's better than just canceling a practice. It's better than just doing nothing. So it, it, 
I can only imagine for for lacrosse, it's just it's got to be rough. I mean, in the fall, yeah, you get those for soccer, you get those bad weather days where it's snowing, where it might be raining. Or, sorry, not in the fall where, where it's not snowing, but it might be raining, it might be cold. But typically, it's not going to get any lower than like you know fifty degrees outside, or it, it worse deal. You got to you got to deal with some tough rain. Um, at the start of spring season, it can get tricky. Yeah, and and being the varsity coach, it's been nice because as modified, I would have to find available space elsewhere. Um, and usually that's some sort of grassy patch. And if we don't have our grass field lined yet because it's too wet or they don't put the goals out there, or it's just, you know, been raining and snowing and the field's just completely muddy, then we'd have to go find something else to do. But, you know, being a varsity coach, we have, um, you know, first, first dibs at the turfs. So we can get out there. We don't have to worry about other people taking it. Um, and yeah, we always really have a space that we can, we can work on, but if we do have to go inside, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of things we can still work on. Um, you know, I tell my players, no matter how good you are, you aren't better than the wall. And so you can always just find a wall and just work on left-handed passing, right-handed passing, overhand, sidearm, you know, quick stick, all these different things. You can spend tons of quality time indoors working on stuff. Now you mentioned on the track and on the turf, um, do you guys, how is it dealing with the track team as, as a, cause I'm not going to lie as a, as a track coach in the spring. Um, I know we have our, our girls lacrosse team that, that shares it and it can get a little, it can get a little dicey at times. How is it, how is it working with the, with the track, with the track athletes out there? Not that you work with them, but dealing with them. So it's gotten a bit better. Um, in the past, there was a, a standard, I guess, that if track was on the turf or if track was on the field, we couldn't do anything. Um, oh, so you guys got shunned. Pretty much. And for some reason, our track coach always had the 2.30 time slot. And so like nobody else could use the whole turf at that point, which was frustrating. Um, but that seemed to have seems to have gone out the window. Um because when I look at the turf availability schedule, track was never on it. So, um, you know, we would just go out there and if track was out there doing their thing, you know, we'd be as you know respectful as possible. Of course, you know, if we're going onto the field, we make sure that we're not walking through their practice. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's going to be that stray ball or whatever, but you know, I try to tell my guys to be as respectful as possible. Um, you know, try not to shoot if people are running that way. Um, if you miss a ball, go get it. Don't just leave it on the track for them to possibly trip over. There's been a little, um, a little animosity um, because my guys would be like, oh, "Coach, they, they they took our ball." And it's like, oh, "Okay, so go ask nicely. Go get it back." Coach, she she put it under her jacket. Okay, so you go say, "Excuse me, is that ours? Can I have it back, please? Thank you very much." It's just kindness. It it works. You know, I said that to a track runner, track track player, track athlete, track, track, track athlete, runner. Okay. Track runner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said that to one of the athletes. Like they had a ball in their hand. I'm like, uh, excuse me, is that yours? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, well, if you don't know it's yours, it's probably ours. Can I have it, please? Thank you. <laughs> I was gonna say, what are the, there is no track of there is no track uh, event that requires a lacrosse ball, so I'm pretty sure well, it would so have been I, yours. But yeah, so I, I a lot of people use lacrosse balls for like you know 
like rubbing out um oh you know, like, yeah like okay knots they have like in doing their the back. Knots, so yeah. I, I know sometimes people have like their own just for like that kind of stuff but i'm like okay if if first off if you shot a ball over there you you got to go get it you know even if there's even if track's not out there like this is how we lose balls we we start the season with like you know 50 or 60 and then a couple of practices later we have 30 and you're like coach where's all the balls I don't know. You tell me. Did you get them when you threw them? You you lost that ball over there. Did you go chase it? Like it doesn't matter. Just go get it. And if there's somebody there, just say excuse me. Ask nicely. But. <laughs> and it's it's interesting where you see a lot of the um, athletes themselves. They're and and I've had it where I've had uh, track athletes when they get on the track, they're so you know they they know what they're doing. They're full of confidence or whatever. But then when they run into another athlete in another sport, whether it's the baseball teams coming on or whether it's the lacrosse, they tend to just, I don't know, they just tend to shy up. It reminds me of like the middle school dance where the boys are on one side of the gym, the girls are on the other side of the gym, and nobody wants to, you get that one kid who kind of crosses towards the middle and like shoots right back. No, no, not going to ask her. It's just they, for whatever reason, they get super shy around each other. Somebody different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not one of us. What do we do, coach? Alert, alert. They don't have a lacrosse stick. What do we do? We're mixing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, um, and I think that's one thing, too, with sports. And it's funny that you mentioned in gym time with indoor, it it was constantly a struggle of, all right, we've got girls cheerleading, we've got boys and girls basketball, we've got indoor track and field. Um, there's so many sports that are just crammed inside because, you you know, in January, February, you can't do anything outside. So it's a lot of times I think coaches, as a coach, you always want to stand up for your team. You always think that your team is the best, and rightfully so. But at the same time, you get some coaches that that seem to have forgotten, listen, it's not just indoor track. Basketball's here too. We've gotta we've gotta share. We've gotta be respectful towards each other. Even if it's sharing the locker rooms, even if it's sharing equipment room. You know, we can't just leave the basketballs all over the place and leave it, you know, a mess so that track can't get to their stuff. Or even the phys ed teachers, you know, they've gotta get into that equipment locker room too to teach their classes. So it's I think sometimes coaches and I've had that too, especially, you know, at the younger years where you you want to come in and, oh, my sport's the best, my sport's the best, it's all about me. And sometimes you forget, hey, listen, it's not all about you. You got you to gotta share. Yeah. I mean, I think as a society, you know, we need to understand that we're not, you know, it, it it's not an egocentric, you know, world that we live in. And there are other people who go about their lives and interact with you. Um, our, our schedule is very packed at, at Grand Island with boys and girls lacrosse, track, baseball, softball. Um, our, we have club rugby, but you know they're very active and they're trying to find as much space as they can to participate. Um, and I, I, it's, it's, there's got to be a healthy balance. You know, there's, it's got to be an ecosystem where everyone's able to work together and thrive and succeed. Um, you know, we are, like I said, our schedule is very tight and girls will be practicing until 4.30 and we have a game at five. And would I like 45 minutes to warm up? Yes, but that's not the reality. So, you know, we, we went out for one of our games and the guys, you know, started lining up like at the 50 yard line to stretch. And I, you know, yelled over and called him back and it's like, 
what are you, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, well, well, we, have, we have a game. We're stretching over here. But the girls have practice till 4.30. Oh, but we're just over here. No, no. Like, they they wait pay very patiently when we're out here before they get games. So we can do the exact same thing. And and we got the netting, you know. So there, there's that space behind the end zone, um, like, a, like a half circle arc um, behind the end zone between the 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 track and what's that what's that thing that you jump over into the water for track oh the steeple pit yeah so there's like there's this big area of turf there that like you know we can stretch there we can start warming up there it's fine and we're out of the way of those practicing and we're out of tracks way so it, it there's got to be a balance and i mean I, there's nothing wrong with you know thinking that you know your team is is the best but you still have to you know be able to coincide with the other teams and you know build a successful culture altogether yeah you gotta you gotta play nice you know you gotta play nice with other people and it's funny that you say successful culture because i think it's um yeah it's different sports you're coaching different sports but it's all for the same program it's all you're trying you're trying to make grand island sports program better you just happen to be trying to make them better in lacrosse other coaches are trying to make them better in track and field or in football or in basketball it's all for you're you're doing it for the greater good, you know, the betterment of the school. Exactly. Um, now, one thing I want to get your take on, and this has kind of been a growing trend over the last, um, I'd say, the last five or six years, where you have that athletes are now they're allowed to play two sports in the same season, like where you can get, um, and maybe Grand Island doesn't do this. I don't know, but I know in Kenmore, if you're if we have a track athlete, they can also be on the baseball team. They can also be on the lacrosse team. They have to. They have to have. They have to pick a um, their primary sport. So if I was, if I was say a track athlete, but I was also a lacrosse player, if lacrosse was my primary sport, I would do that as my primary sport. But I could also, I would also be obligated to. All right, if lacrosse doesn't have a practice or a game, I'd have to go to track practice. Or if lacrosse only has a practice and track has a meet, I could go to the track meet. Um, so you, there, there are schools that are allowing athletes to do two sports per season. Um, have you come across that yet? And what are your what are your thoughts on that? No, I have not. Um, I don't know if Grand Island allows it or not. I haven't had to experience it at all. I'll say um, Kenmore's. It's probably been it's probably been going on like three or four years now. Um, that we've that we've allowed it, um, and again, they have to be both varsity athletes. So you can't have like a JV baseball players and a varsity, you know, track and field player. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it's it's tough enough when you have these athletes that are you know three sport athletes, and their seasons already overlap enough as it is. Um, I know, you know, sometimes if hockey were to continue on and they were to go on to, you know, far west regionals and states, then that would start to interfere with our practices. And, and I think that can be tough enough as it is, um, you know, let alone you're trying to build, like we said, a winning culture and one of your top players is busy doing something else, you know. Um, I, I, I hate making people choose, but at the same time, it, it, if someone's you know passionate about both, and they want to try to make it work, I guess you know more power to them. But it's just really tough. I I know last year when we had the adjusted schedule 
for um, what was it? They moved. They had fall two where yes. they had sp- uh, football in the spring. And um, I there was a, two other, two or three other yeah, sports. So they had they had the fall sports, which was soccer and volleyball. I think soccer still went off in the fall, but yeah. uh, volleyball I think was pushed to the spring because they couldn't get inside to do it. Okay. Um. So then they had the winter sports like normal, but then they had the fall too, which was like football, mm-hmm. and then they moved into spring, which made it really close. And wrestling, which is normally a winter sport, they push that into the spring. Into the yeah, which is unfortunate because there are some lacrosse players who wrestle, and I thought it was you know terrible if you have like like say, let's say you have a senior who they wrestle, they they play football, and they they um, play lacrosse. Let's say those are the three sports. <laughs> that year they were they were screwed. You're, that's that's a terrible senior year for them because they can't get a full year with any of those because of the way football worked out, and then they had to essentially choose between lacrosse and wrestling. And if those are your main things and you're expecting to have a stellar senior season, you know, balling out in all three of those, it just wasn't physically possible. Um, and so yeah, I I, I think it I, I hate making people have to choose like that, but at the same time, if you can't you know commit yourself to a to a sport then you know how much are you really helping out the team that's true i know we've had it we've had it happen um i think only two or three times at during the spring where we had um i think it was we had one lacrosse athlete who he was a great sprinter for us but he also wanted to do lacrosse for the school so he was able to do lacrosse which and ultimately we didn't mind as uh track coaches because he was still fast and he was still using his speed. He was still getting his conditioning. He was still, um, he was, it's not like he was being lazy or whatever. So he was, we didn't mind it that the fact that he was still doing or trying lacrosse and trying to play it. We did work with the coaches where we'd tell him, Hey, listen, today we're doing block starts. You guys don't have a game. Do you mind if he misses a practice so he can get his block starts in so that he can push that? Or if we have a meet, the coaches know that our meets took priority because track was his primary sport. So for a track athlete, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to bug us. But I could definitely see, like I'd be a little bit, I guess I'd be a little bit. Uh, I, I wouldn't be as okay with it if one of my soccer, um, one of my soccer athletes were doing decided to do uh, cross country or decided to do um, another sport. Just because, I mean, cross country, they're still getting the conditioning, but they're not getting the dribbling in. They're not getting the foot skill in. They're not getting the passes in, especially if they're a younger athlete who has, you know, a lot of potential and needs that extra time just to work on those skills. So I could see it a little bit both ways. I could see where it would be a little bit annoying more as a as a as a coach with a, a sport that needs more skills. Well, and and I just know that, um, you know, even right now, with single sport athletes, that they have things going on. Um, not having them there to work on things is problematic, you know, because very true. Let's, let's say we want to work on our our normal offense, or let's say we're trying to implement our our man up sets, and if one of our players who should be in that position isn't there 
then they're not able to work on it. And then when we get to the game, we can't implement it effectively. Or if you have that player who they're in practice, they're working on it, and then for some reason they can't show up at the game, you you, you want to have other people that you can throw in to imp- implement those, but you don't always have the same skill level. You know, it, it's not just, you know, an apples for apples replacement at times. If this kid is out, you might have to find someone that is, you know, the same handedness as them and has the same skill level and can pull off the same things in order to implement that effectively. And, you know, if they're off at another sporting event, then that can be really tough for you to implement the the things that you want as a team. Absolutely. And especially if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're struggling for numbers, like some schools, I know at Grand Island, you guys have, you know, I think you said you had 30, 30 athletes on your team. You know, some schools would kill to have 30 athletes. Some schools, I'm sure you run across them where they're lucky if they get, you know, 12 or 13 or even 15 on their team. Yeah, um, I, I I do have a lot this year. Um, I have a lot more than I planned on having. Um, but uh, we had a couple of um, couple of guys who didn't make the baseball team that wanted to try out um, and they're you know, they're, they're, they're growing in their skill, they're, they're juniors. And then I have a couple of guys that I assumed were going to play. And then due to injuries from the hockey season or football season, um, people told me they weren't going to play. And then a couple practices in, they said they wanted to. So, you know, I, I brought them on and I wasn't going to cut anybody else that was already out. Um, see, so yeah, I, I have a lot of numbers, but I know there's a lot of schools around that are hurting for numbers. The COVID years really did hurt them. Um, at our preseason meetings, there was talks from a couple of schools about um, combining some of their teams to have um, a, a varsity and, and a modified program where the modified would be 789 and then varsity would be 10, 11, 12. And that was not received well by a, a lot of schools, um, partially because, you know, once uh, you're basically getting rid of your JV coach and once a school doesn't have to pay a JV coach for a couple of years, are they really going to start they're, paying they're one not again? going to bring them back. No. Um, and then what do you do with those, um, like those 10th those graders that, you know, they're not, they're not ready for JV, but or, I'm sorry, they're not ready for varsity, but they don't have the normal JV to fall back on and they can't play modified. So that, that messes with a lot of 10th graders who are on that, that edge. Um, so yeah, the COVID year really hurt a lot of, a lot of teams, a lot of schools. Um, but yeah, at Grand Island, we've, we've been able to, uh, get some pretty decent numbers, um, for varsity. I know, uh, JV's got about 25 and then, um, I think our modified teams actually been able to pull up some, some pretty good numbers. Now, what are your thoughts on uh, speaking of varsity JV? What are your thoughts on on pulling a guy up from like like you said, maybe that tenth grader, maybe that ninth grader who has that can dominate down in JV or has that JV talent, but isn't quite ready to play up at that varsity level. What are your What are your thoughts on on when you pull a guy up? Do you let him continue dominating down in JV? Or do you bring him up even if he's even if he's not going to get much playing time? Do you bring him up to the varsity just to get the overall feel and experience there? I mean, I really think it depends on the the player and um, by an individual individual basis. Um, I brought up two players, and um, I 
pretty much said to them right off the bat, like, you know, I'm bringing you up. I think you have a lot of potential. Um, you're going to get a lot of reps in practice. If we can get you reps in the games, then we will. Um, but I think that the varsity practice reps would benefit you a lot better than the JV practice reps or, or, you know, even just playing in the JV games. But, you know, you have those players that, you know, that, that JV might be a good fit for them. You know, that, that might be where they need to be and, you know, work on showing some leadership and, um, you know, work on honing one little skill. Um, you know, I also think it depends on how, how your, your, your coaching staff kind of works out, um, you know, you, you might have a situation where, um, you just don't think they're going to get the quality instruction at a lower level that they would at the higher level. Um, so that might be a reason to bring them up as well. That just, you know, being on JV or even being on modified is just, you know, them goofing off and they're not getting the, the, the formalized instruction that they could. Whereas being up at a higher level, they'd get more the, the IQ, in they'd get you know some uh it's a different type of learning ex- exactly and so i i all that to say I, I think it's by an individual basis um i i brought up two players that i you know thought could benefit um the ones getting the amount of time that i expected them to the others getting a little bit more than i thought at the beginning but they're both handling it very well um i had another that i wanted to bring up but for various reasons wasn't able to um you know, he's doing great at the JV level. Um, I, I think he would do phenomenal at the varsity level, but I don't think that he's regressing by being at the JV level. Um, but I, I think there are some certain situations where by a kid, you know, playing down, he could start to develop some of those bad habits from, you know, laziness and knowing, well, I'm, I'm better than this. I don't, I don't have to give it a hundred percent cause I can, you know, succeed at 75%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can score three goals a game and not break a sweat. Yeah, you know, I, I can, I can, you know, get five assists with my offhand. So, you know, what's what's the point? Yeah, you get you get bored. Yeah. as an athlete, you get bored, and like you said, sometimes lazy habits can develop. Now, Matt, with gymnastics, I know it's you were telling before it's like different levels. Um, is it the coach? pushes the girl or the kid up to the different level or does the kid decide what level or do you have to qualify like hit so many scores till you get to that level so kids always will be like oh coach i'm ready to go to the next level and and as a coach you sometimes gotta be like no you're not um hold your horses exactly well so there there straight up is like a checklist on like the usag gymnastics or g is gymnastics usa gymnastics um website that says like an athlete has to have these skills mastered before they can move on because their basic whatever you learn in the first level will carry on and be like the starting point for the next more but now who determines if they're mastered that's the thing. That's where it gets kind of hard. You got to, you know. Well, this this sounds pretty similar to figure skating because my, my wife's a figure skater okay. and they have a specific set of skills that they have to accomplish. And there's specific testing sessions where a couple of times a year they have the opportunity to go to the rink and there's judges. And if the judge approves you, then you you move up. Is it similar to that? Yeah. there We have like... um some of our veteran coaches definitely and uh judges can 
um, you can have like kind of like a, an assessing thing. Like if a if a student wants to either join a team or move up, uh, you schedule like a set time where they go in and like they demonstrate all these moves to you and then you're like either yes or no um but kids just think like oh like i want to move up to the level and it's like eh, it doesn't work like that see that's got to be tough because i know if i was doing it and if i was being you know strict about it and i knew a kid didn't master it i could see a lot a kid giving a lot of feedback well coach you're wrong like i mastered it what are you talking about like having to deal it's bad enough sometimes having to deal with parents why aren't my kids getting enough playing time as opposed to well you rated my kid a five when they should have been a six or a seven like i could just see that being disastrous for a coach big old can of worms (laughs) oh absolutely and i didn't realize riley was a uh figure skater we got to get her on the on the podcast at some point here then yeah she's uh she's actually a a, a national champion um, get out of here does she still compete at all she doesn't compete um really it's been tough with the baby um but before like right before i met her actually like the week before i met her she was just coming back from ohio where she competed in the the national championships for She's probably going to kill me for forgetting what, what it's called. <laughs> but I think it's interpretive. Um, basically, they um, are they, they show up and they're given a song and they're put in a, in a room where they're, they're given like 30 minutes to figure out a routine. Wait, you got to come up with a routine like on the spot? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And then they got to go out and perform it. And uh, so, yeah, in her her age group, she won a national championship for that. I think twice, actually. It that's it, insane because it's hard. I I gotta figure it's hard enough having like weeks and months to prepare a choreographed routine, but you go in there like she doesn't know the song, she doesn't know anything, and they just say, "Hey, listen, yeah. here's the song. Go go set a routine." Pretty much, and I mean, it's it it's. I don't, I'm not an expert on it, so I I hope I'm not like butchering it too much. Riley, if you're listening, this is the, this is your invite to come on. We can have you come on through Zoom, but this is your invite. Yeah, no, I'm sure she would love to talk about it. Um, She talks my ear off about it every time the Olympics roll around and when, you know, worlds are on or state games or whatever it is. Um. But yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they have their moves and, you know, they have their, their go-to stuff and they just kind of feel out the music and they're like, okay, I think, you know, doing this at this moment would, you know, would really be effective. And then, you know, the, the music builds, so I'm going to go, go into this. And, um, it's a lot of, it's, it's not a lot of like the jumps and the spins in, in that one. Um, it's more so like, uh, like ice dancing kind of thing all i could think of is blades of glory with uh <laughs> with uh will will ferrell yeah. and uh john heater yeah just Chaz michael michaels or michael what's Chaz michael michaelson or something like that it's just Chaz michael michaels <laughs> that's fantastic um but yeah it's gotta be i always i i always thought sports like that where you're getting like it, when you're playing lacrosse when you're playing soccer at the end of the game, you know, all right, you scored more goals than I did. You win. Whereas there, it's it's a lot. It's just judging. Yeah, I, I do. Need, I, she does need to come on here. Because, Absolutely. 
So we we recently watched a documentary, which I I forget the name of it, but it's a really good one on Netflix, and it's about it's about the Winter Olympics where I forget what year it was. It's it's the the, the French judge conspiracy. So oh, were they? Yeah, where they were knocking know. off scores. Yeah. Yeah, so that was with an old scoring system. And there's a new scoring system, which I guess still has its issues. But yeah, there was an old scoring system. And basically, like, the Americans, um, like, pulled off a better routine. But because certain people thought it was, like, lackluster, they didn't score it as high. And then the Russians came out and, you know, they fell in their routine. And and people didn't think it was... People thought it was more technically difficult, but didn't think they pulled it off as well. And so it all came down to the French judge. And basically, she was influenced by the Eastern European countries, and they were all ganging up with each other. And yeah, so she, she I mean, if you have the time, she would probably go on for hours and hours about <laughs> this. Um, but she's a lot more knowledgeable than I am. Matt, figure skating episode, what do you think? I like figure skating. <laughs> Listen, I'm I can ice skate kind of. I cannot ice skate. I look like I look like a brand like a like a baby calf who was just born who can barely stand up. I fumble all over the place on the ice. I am not graceful at all. I I think it's I mean I even during the Winter Olympics, you know, my wife and I will watch the sport. I have no idea when they rate this high when it, it's interesting like you said though a guy will go up do a do a super hard move like what's the the quads the, the, the quad turns or whatever, he'll fall, but he'll still get, like, a good score because it's such a hard trick to pull off. Where if a guy only does, like, a double, his score isn't going to be as high as a guy who failed on a quad. Well, I can relate it back to something that you know all about in diving. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. My days as a diving oh, coach, yeah. absolutely. But I, I witnessed this with diving. You know, I would tell my kid to go and do that um, – you know, that, that one dive that he's perfected, that's a difficulty 1.4. And if the judges are going to give him seven and a halfs on it, you know, he'll get one score. But if he goes and tries that next harder one, that's like a 2.3 difficulty, he's not going to land it, but they're not going to rate him lower than like a five. He's still going to get a better score because the lower scores at the higher multiplier is going to pay off. So that's why I would tell my divers, like, well, just just go throw that double because it's they're not going to give you any less than this because it's it's based on the uh, the approach, it's based on the takeoff, it's based on the in air, and it's based on the landing. And so if you fail one of those parts, they're not going to take off all the points. No, and you're going to get more for a kid who nails a lesser dive. Exactly, and so that the figure skating is the same way. It's a it's a. It's a crazy sport. It's very subjective, and it and is. guy, you know, guys like us that are that are you know more so like all right, a goal is a goal is a goal, and if you have more than the other team, you win. It's yeah. very very objective. It's it's tough. There's no judging. Well, that goal is only worth a half a point because you just kind of shot it into the net. There was no flare, you know. Yeah. Whereas that goal, <laughs> well, it went upper ninety. It beat the goaltender clean. That one's worth two points. It's maybe, just you maybe, score. Maybe you, should, maybe you should do that in soccer. You know, that get would those, be fantastic. Get those, get those trash bins in the top corners. Those are worth two. <laughs> that would be fantastic, Coach. I just scored a five-point goal. I kicked it all the way from our own eighteen, and it went in the net. That's an automatic win. <laughs> That's an automatic win. A goal yeah. from your own eighteen. 
I love it. Now, talk about uh, talking about Riley and uh, Baby Z, Baby Zara at home. Yeah. How is that being a young coach with a young family? Like that's got to be that's got to be tough. It is very tough. Um, but I, you know, I have a great support system. You know, shout out to my wife. Shout out to my mother-in-law. Um, it's been very helpful that things have just kind of worked out the way it needs to. Um, you know, with uh, everything going on with, uh, you know, like the gas prices, I've basically had to just stay at school until my practices. And so that means that I see my daughter when we wake up, we get maybe like 20, 30 minutes, depending on the morning together. And then we drop her off at my mother-in-law's and then I come back home. And if it's a if it's an early practice, I can sometimes get home to put her to bed. But if it's not an early practice or I have a late game somewhere, then I won't, I won't see her till the next morning. So it's it's been really nice to have my mother-in-law who can take her during the day. And even in some evenings, she can help to watch her for an hour or so. And then, you know, with Riley's schedule, um, she's technically a part-time employee. So she doesn't work a full day on Thursday and she does, she only does, uh, the mass for her school on Fridays occasionally. Um, so, you know, she's able to watch Zara on those days, take care of things around the house. Um, and yeah, they've, they, they, they understand that, you know, this is, you know, one of my passions in life and, you know, this is a great opportunity that I've been given and they're super supportive of helping me with it. So very thankful for that. And, um, you know, I, I try to help out as, as much as I can, you know, this week, I got a lot of stuff to take care of since we're off for spring break. Um, you know, she still has her stuff that she has to do appointments and, you know, she's got her skating times. So, you know, I, in fact, I got to move practice tomorrow so that I can watch Zara while she goes and do something. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of teamwork. It's a lot of communication, but, um, yeah, we make it work. Absolutely. And I know, um, I mean, I started dating. I started dating uh, Victoria, my my wife, when um, Sarah was in going into sixth grade. And before, as a as a single coach, before I met Vicky, you know, whatever, I I would go to practice, go to work, go to practice. If I was out till six seven at night with a game, didn't really matter. It was just me at home. But then I found myself, especially with Sarah, who was did cross country in seventh grade, did modified basketball. Even before that in sixth grade, fifth grade, she was on, you know, little league basketball teams. I found myself, you know, having to hop in a car right after practice just to sprint back to Clarence so that I could see her in, even if it was a quarter of the game or see her, you know, get in a little bit or catch her at the finish line for one of her cross country meets. It was just rough. And a lot of times, and I don't think people realize this, especially as a coach, you feel guilty for missing that time you feel yeah you're you're doing what you love and don't get me wrong I I love every minute of coaching I love it's my passion but at the same time you feel guilty you feel like and and I'm sure it's got to be it's got to be so tough having just a little one at home where missing all that time but at the same time you're you have a great support system and you're it's your your wife I'm sure is amazing about it and it's it's just it's something that I don't think a lot of people understand that not only not only the coaches got to be okay with it but your 
your partner has got to be okay with it. Yeah. You can't have somebody like I'm sure if Riley wasn't okay with it, you know, you would have to make an adjustment or something would have to happen. You have to have not only does it take a lot to be a, a coach with a family, but it takes a lot to be the partner of a coach that has a family. I mean, it's it's got to be it's got to be tough on Riley as well. Yeah, it it is. Um and you know, there there's days where I, I I think I think back to you know some of the years past and some of my you know uh, predecessors that I would you know hang out with while they were coaching and you know I'd see the ways that they would interact with their teams and it's just it's it's a whole different dynamic based on where you're at in life. Um, you know, one of my predecessors, you know, Ted Lee, he loved you know, like having like a little story time, like, you know, the game's over, you know, you're in the locker room, game's over at like seven or something. And he'd still be in the locker room until nine o'clock, just chatting with the guys, just, you know, getting to know one another. And that's huge for building chemistry. And, you know, I'd love to do that as as much as I could. But, you know, when we, when practice is over, I got to kick the guys out because I got to lock up and I got to head home. Absolutely. And, you know, same thing with games, you know, I, especially if it's like a seven o'clock away game, you know, by the time we get back, you know, I'd love to hang out and, you know, chop it up with the guys, but I got to, I got to get them out of there and I got to get home. Um, but yeah, my, my wife's been super supportive of it and it would, it would suck if I couldn't do it. But, you know, if, if, if we had to figure something else out, then, you know, we'd have to, um, and yeah, looking, looking into the future, I, I got a little bit of time until we have to figure that out. But I know, you know, once Zara starts getting into whatever her passions are, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. You know, Riley's a big musician and you're going to put a, a violin in Zara's hands as soon as she can hold one. <laughs> she's already plucking at the little baby harp that she's got. Um, and I think when one of our, uh, you know, pickup drop off situations, Riley had her at the ice rink and actually like started skating around with her. And of course, she's like, "Oh my gosh, sorry." Her eyes lit up as soon as she got on the ice, and I'm like, "Okay, yeah, sure." She's got sure, skater sure written did. all over her. Yeah. So you know, and of course, me, I'm like, "Can you say lacrosse?" Like, <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, whatever she wants to do, you know, we're gonna be super supportive. But you know, that, that's part of the reason why you know my predecessor Steve Stack had to give it up because his boys in college, his two girls are playing lacrosse in high school, and he couldn't go. Of course, he could see his son because he's coaching his son, but you know he couldn't see his girls' games because he's away coaching. So that's why he had to give that up so he could start spending some time, you know, at his girls' games. Um, you know, so I know, you know, once once Zara starts having recitals or concerts or shows, because I swear she's gonna be up on stage. The 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 way that she, you know, makes those tears flow for any little thing, yeah. I know she's going to be up on stage at some point in her life um, or, you know, on, on a field or a quarter of some sort, we're going to have to figure out, you know, how to balance that. Cause I, you know, I don't want to miss her first goal, you know, her first solo or for first, any of that stuff. We'll have to make sure to send Zara a little soccer ball because, you know, soccer's still in the mix. Soccer's still in hey, the I'm mix cool there. I'm cool with that. I'm cool. <laughs> with. I mean, so me, me personally, I, I don't like baseball. I tried it for two seasons. I got hit by the pitch a bunch of times i got sunscreen in my eyes in the outfield i had a bad coach it wasn't fun and then basketball i I just i'm not good at basketball i don't get it and so those are like my two sports that i'm like god i really hope she doesn't pick those up (laughs) 
anything else like I'm pretty cool with, you know, I love volleyball. Um, she, she kicks so much, so she could be a soccer player. I think she might be a swimmer. Um, but we'll, we'll have Doug Newman trainer to be in trainer in the oh, pool. Of course. The of manimal. Course. Yeah. Um, now one thing you got, I, I got to prepare you because this was interesting, just especially in the days where I could get to Sarah's and watch a full basketball game. There were times as in the fans, I had to bite my tongue, especially when she's on the court and there's a, whether there's a bad call from the referee, whether there's, you kind of have to like, you're not a coach dummy, sit down, either just clap or just that's it. And I remember even Sarah, there'd be a few times where it was a close game or I'd get a little, you know, oh, what's that? She'd, after the game, you know, I heard you out there. You didn't need to sit. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I mean, it it gets intense. I mean, just, just giving you a heads up. It's a totally different animal when you're on the sideline coaching the kids as opposed to when your kid is in the game and yeah. you're in the stands for a reason. It's It's tough. Yeah, I, do you think you're going to be one of those parents that just, or do you think you're just going to be okay? I have no clue. I mean, <laughs> you know, when I, I I get passionate about about certain things, and so I I could definitely see myself, you know, yell, yelling at a ref from the sidelines. Um, but and there's there's a lot of times where you know, like right now, I have you know self control in situations. Like if I, like, you know, if if I'm not actively coaching, but like I'm on the sidelines, like taking pictures or something, like I feel like I'm pretty good at like keeping my thoughts and stuff to myself. I hear parents yelling things, and I um I, I want to say something to them, but I just keep it inside. Or, you know, I I hear something from the other team, and I want to say something, but I, I I think I have a pretty good filter, you know, especially. Being being a teacher, as I'm sure you know, we got a we got a pretty good filter. You gotta, of, uh, you gotta learn how to bite your tongue. That's, yeah, that's teaching 101. So I, I I like to say that I I know the time and place, but I'm sure there will be a situation at some point where I'll get fired up about something and just you know let it fly. Oh, absolutely, and it's I like, can I, I can think back to my dad, you know, when I was playing hockey, yelling stuff over the over the boards. Like I said, what are the what are the best comments as a player? This was during an indoor season. I think I was in 10th, 11th grade. We were playing an indoor game, indoor soccer. Um, one of our one of our teammates, Mike Chicago, his he had pretty much a wide open net. Took the took a shot from about the 18 and just missed the net. Like goaltender was down. He you should have scored. I mean, it was an easy goal and he cranked it over the net. Place was silent. All you hear is his dad. Nice shot, Mike. <laughs> and it's just you just look at the side you see Mr. Ed you just couldn't help but just laugh <laughs> I have a story about something my dad said to me once <laughs> not to me but about me um, and it wasn't in a sport I was I, I was an athlete and I also did musicals and um, I don't know why but that just reminded me and my dad the, the musical I was in was like some sort of like fairy tale kind of like mix up mosh pit kind of thing and um, the evil witch, you know, turns herself usually into like a beautiful girl or something. I don't know the whole story of Sleeping Beauty, but that one, that one. Yeah. Um, well, and this one, she transformed into three different people. And the last person she transformed into a dude. Well, I guess who got picked to be the dude. <laughs> so <laughs> my, it's, 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 it, I'm in middle school, too. And like the whole thing's going on, the scene's happening. And like it's my time to like 
the smoke comes up, she goes down, and I come out from under the table and like pop out. And as soon as I pop out, I hear my dad just in this dark sea of audience, like, oh God. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> it threw me through a loop. That's my boy. Because I was just like, that's my dad. <laughs> I was like, aren't you proud to see this? <laughs> oh, and it's just, yeah, dude, parents are awesome. <laughs> now, have you have you had to deal with any, uh, let's say, over-enthusiastic parents as of yet? Or even just in, in general, whether it's been JV, modified, have you had to deal with the the parent who might be a little too involved? Um, not as much on my sideline. I've definitely witnessed some parents on some other sidelines that I've had to just like shake my head at. And I, I actually got into it with uh, somebody once when I was taking photos and I I, I was like, I, I shouldn't have even said anything. Not not because like the guy schooled me at all, but just because like I was like, what's what's the point? He he, you know he he may have been a professional athlete trying to relive his glory days, but he didn't know what he was talking about in the situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been times where like I've been in the press box or I've been taking photos and I hear stuff from this from the fans and I just have to like shake my head. I'm like, you d- you just don't get it. Like I was filming the, the the last game of the of last year's varsity season for Grand Island versus West Seneca East. And West Seneca East was winning. They were probably up by like two goals. There was maybe like a minute left or whatever. And um, I think West Seneca East had the ball. And you could tell, me as a coach, like I understand that like they need to just protect the ball. They need to play keep away. They need to, you know, just possess. And I, you could also tell that's what the coach wanted them to do. And all the parents are like, shoot the ball, go to goal, pass it, go, go, come on, score. I'm just, I'm just sitting there thinking. I'm like, you're you're up by two. Yeah. Well, you you just you doing? need you you just need. There's no shot clock. Like you just need to hold the ball and you win. Don't do anything stupid. Just hold the ball. It's a very simple concept. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I haven't had to deal with too much on on my sideline um, with parents yelling um, ridiculous things. Um, thank goodness, but I'm, I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll have a story to tell about it. Oh yeah. There's, and the longer you get in the coaching, the more parents, especially at the high school JV level, the more parents you'll have to deal with. Like I said, thankfully throughout my career, I've been pretty lucky where I've had, um, very good parents, whether it's been when I've been coaching modified varsity JV, I've had very good parents where they get it. They know whether it's I've been coaching girls or guys, they they get it. They know um, that I'm out there for the best of the kids. They know that they they get it that their kid, their son or daughter, isn't. Some of them would get a lot of playing time. Some of them won't get any playing time. But there have been the occasional parents, and one story stands out. When I was doing um, guys modified soccer, it was it was a year where I had a lot of kids. I had I think. Um, 25 26 plus come out for tryouts which typically in a soccer team you want to keep 18 if you're keeping 20 that's that's a lot um i sat down i could have made cuts i could have cut it cut it down to 18 i decided to keep all 25 never make that mistake again because and as i got to making it i made sure i brought all the parents on had a parent meeting had a uh, athlete meeting with the parents said, listen, 
there are certain kids who are going to be, quote unquote, a practice squad. You guys are going to be there where you're going to get as much. You're going to be there for all the practices. You'll get as much practice time. But you really, unless we're up big in a game, you're don't be disappointed if you're not getting any playing time. You know, especially my seventh graders. This is a year really for you to just get experience, get practice time, and hopefully get better. And I gave them the option. I said, if you don't like that, if that's something not for you, I totally understand if you want to, you know, quote unquote, cut yourself. I get it. There are other sports out there. I get it. So nobody did. Parents thought it was a great idea for the betterment of the program, blah, blah, blah. Got all the great ideas. Sure enough, it only took one game where I got that parent who, in modified soccer, you don't play halves, you play quarters. So got that parent yelling from the sideline, Coach, why isn't my kid in? Coach, he didn't get any minutes. Halftime. Coach, he still didn't get in. Third quote. Coach, he still get in, didn't get in. I'm like, oh, boy. So at the same time, of course, after the game, this parent comes around, and Coach, can I talk to you? Like, why didn't my kid? Sir, thank you. Just I learned a long time ago, and I was still still a young coach, but I learned, you know, when parents like that never, if you want to talk to them, talk to me 24 hours after the game. You calm down. I calm down. It's Let's put it that. So my response is, sir, thank you. I'll talk to you later. Sir, thank you. I'll t- kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. So finally, I just looked at the guy and pretty much screamed, thank you, sir. I'll talk, like, you know, talk to you, and he kind of got the message, went away. I thought I was going to get, like, I was still a relatively younger coach. I thought I was going to get in trouble. Thought I was, I had at least seven or eight parents come up to me like, I don't know how you didn't hit that guy. I don't know how you'd like kept your composure. I don't know how you, and I'm like, I'm like, thank you. Thank Like you didn't think I was a little, they're like, no, I would have hit him. So, and of course it was that parent never showed up again. The, the son kept playing and you know ended up earning some playing time by the end of the season but it's just you think you're you when you explain everything you explain your methods you think everybody's on the same page but the second your kid isn't getting playing time you sometimes get that parent who well i thought you were talking about somebody else's kid and not mine you know because my kid's the superstar yeah you know, I, I think, like you said, I mean, setting all that stuff up preseason definitely helps a lot of things. Um, I wasn't able to have a, a parent meeting this season, and I kicking myself for it. Not not because I've had negatives, but just because there's there's certain things that that, that would have been helpful with. Um, but yeah, I I told my players straight up, like you know, playing time is earned. I got guys who are my starters. I got guys who are gonna you know ride the bench a lot, but. You know, you got to put in the work. You got to show me you can earn it, and I'll, I'll get you playing time at some point. But you know, you got you got to work for it. And you know, so far, no, no complaints, no issues. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm sure at some point I'll have to deal with that. And I I think that I I've heard that method before the the 24 hours. That's definitely a definitely a good one because, like you said, in the heat of, heat of things. Exactly. If if I'm angry, if you're angry what what good from a conversation is going to come yeah. nothing it's going to be just you you screaming at me me screaming at you you saying something that you regret i saying something that i regret nothing constructive is going to come from it at all exactly all right well andrew we're going to get into our hot seat questions 
Um, I hope you came up with some questions. You you know this from last time too. You got to come up with a few questions. So, you, but I'm you gonna... asked me so last minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll here. I'll, we I'll we everything here on this episode is last minute. So I don't know why, but recently I've been watching. You know, how on on ESPN or on whatever they have the where they the televised poker games. I've been watching a lot of those, and it seems like every poker player has a nickname, like the Grinder or the Intimidate or whatever. Even in NASCAR, you can go with the NASCAR route too, but if you were a poker player, and I don't know if you are a poker player or not, but if you were a poker player, what would Andrew Williams' poker nickname be? Matt, what would your poker nickname be too? I'm going to go... I, I I don't know why I didn't think of this, like think of a nickname earlier, but um, I don't... Somebody jump in here because I'm struggling. I mean, I'd, I'd probably go with like the, the the rook because I'm I've played poker, but like I don't I, I'm not great at it. You know, I don't know when to you know fold. I don't know when to hold them. <laughs> know when to fold them. You know, um, like I'll think, oh, this is a decent hand, and then you know, if I ever I'm bored at 3 a.m. and watching the World Series of Poker, um, you know, I'll look and, oh, apparently that's not a good hand to hold, or, <laughs> you know, bluffing and all that stuff. I'm not great at all that, so I'd go with, like, the, the, the rook, like the a rook. Like rookie. All right. I got that. Matt, did you think of one yet? If if not, I'm going, I'm going to go with, uh, you know what, I'm going to go with, uh, the grandpa or gramps you know we, i've got the usually like i'll play uh especially when the poker rooms were open you know i would go down and, and do a tournament from time to time at the casinos um i would always have you know the glasses the fedora on so i would and sometimes i looked like you know the old man at the poker table so i'd, I'd go with just gramps you know that that'd be not very intimidating but i'm going with gramps how about pops Pops, I could see pops too. We could do pops. So Gramps, pops, something like that. That that's my nickname. Matt, do you have a nickname? Oh, just my just just my name. I I have no like I don't know what is it. I don't I don't. I have no reason to have a nickname in poker. I don't have that respectability at all. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's like I'm not even worthy enough for a nickname. The, the, the easy win. <laughs> exactly. Take Matt, take my money, Keo. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we go with Matt, take my money, Keo. All right. Question number two. Matt, Andrew, you got one? Um, Favorite, like, classic candy. Like, and what I mean by classics, I mean, like, like, the stuff that you think, like, you remember, like, those, like, dots on, like, paper? Stuff oh, like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Classic candies like that. Okay. Andrew, do you have a classic candy? I always really enjoyed uh, Sixlets. Sixlets? What's that? Oh, I thought they were pretty classic. Um, so they they come in a package, and they're, they're these little, like, chocolate-filled uh, candy-covered balls. And oh, there's yeah. about like I think I think in like the traditional packaging like, there's like six of them yeah. in the in the package and they just come in like like a like a row in in plastic and sometimes they get the longer ones too but I mean I guess they're kind of like an M M&M, and M but they're they're fully like spherical 
and there's a little bit more uh, candy to chocolate ratio. Okay. I, I always like those, and I I thought those were you know classic. They've, they've been around for a long time. Okay, uh, me I'm going like old school classics. The uh, the pixie sticks. Oh yeah, like those were especially in middle school. Man, oh, those yeah. were those were the best. And it was always you always had inevitably you had the dumb friend who would try to like snort it, and it you just look at them like why why no. why. Exactly, oh, that's yeah. a waste of a pixie stick. But those were just, I know it was pure, like, uncut sugar. Oh, yeah. But those were, man, if you needed to pick me up, it was fantastic. Have you ever seen those places where you could, like, make your own pixie stick? Uh, Wait, like what? This, they're, like, some of those candy stores, you can, like, make your own pixie stick. And it's, like, a bigger one, but, like, you can pour, like, the different flavors into it. Oh, I need directions to this place, like, now. Really? I you think, can make your own pixie sticks? The, I think there's one of them in the, uh, the Niagara Falls outlets. Say, uh, I'm, I'm driving down there like right after this episode. That's fantastic. <laughs> you can make like your own flavors, everything. Well, not your own flavors. I mean, they have the flavors, yeah. but you can like pour it in at different intervals. I think. Yeah. Also, like a little of this, a little of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I. Yeah, I just found where I'm going this weekend. That's <laughs> I mean, fantastic. Don't, don't quote me on it. If it's not, <laughs> it's not there, and you're disappointed. Don't blame it all on me. But uh, I'm going. That's awesome. Matt, what's your uh, classic candy? I like those nickel nips. Did you ever hear what those were? The what? They're nickel nips. <laughs> are those the ones that they're like, they're like they're chocolate, wax. but they're... No, no, no. Oh, it's never wax. mind. You bite the top off. They're like, they look like little pop bottles, and you bite the top off, and you suck the juice out. Oh. Except I just would always just... Eat the wax. Chew on everything. You, you, you okay. see, you've seen them, Larry. They're, they, they look like... Pop they look bo- like pop bottles. They look like pop bottles, okay. and you, yeah, you bite the wax off, and there's a little juice in it. I never realized there was a little juice in it. I just saw like the wax. I didn't go anywhere near them. Yeah, I mean, you didn't get a ton of satisfaction out of them. There wasn't a lot of juice, but I just like chilling on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, could you eat the wax? Like, was the wax edible? No. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to. <laughs> See the right. picture up? Yeah, I was gonna say. I I remember them now that you're now that you're saying. I didn't. I never realized there was like juice inside there. I I kind of just stayed away. Oh, gosh. It's blue. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number three. Andrew, do you have one yet? All right. Um, I think I've, I've been trying to think of something where it's like, a, you know, like those, uh, like where they say, um, like start or like a, like a buy or sell. Like when you're talking about teams. Like, oh, like the stocks? Yeah, kind of like stocks. Like, well, who are you gonna buy? What are you gonna buy? What are you gonna sell? So, no, just just like uh, let's say the the, the NFL. Yeah, like buy, like off do you, season. Do you buy the fact that the Bills are gonna win the Super Bowl? Do you buy it or sell yeah? It, so, so like like, that? like you know like what what team are you buying? Because oh, like you know okay. they're, they're they're on the rise. They're a little yeah they're on the rise and then like what you know what team are you gonna sell? Because you know you think they're they're overhyped. Okay. We'll go with that. All right. So we're doing it for NFL? Yeah, let's go NFL. Buy, or, buy and sell. One of each. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I'm buying the Bills. I think they're the Super Bowl champions this year. So I'm call that me a, a homer. It's a high price, though, to buy. It is a that. high price. But you know what? I'm going all in this year. Um, I'm buying the Bills. I don't care if you're not going to get a big investment. I'm buying. Well, actually, no. All right. You know, we'll play it that way. So a team that you think maybe like can be like a. What do they call it? Um, 
like an underdog, like a uh, a dark horse. Yeah, like you think okay. they'll, they'll they'll improve that they'll a really lot. pay off. Yeah, all right. Versus like an overhyped team that's not gonna not gonna you know the overhyped team. I'll be honest. I think Kansas City is really. I'm you're, selling, you're selling Kansas selling City. Chiefs. Right. I'm selling right. the Chiefs. I think especially getting rid of Tyreek Hill, they lost Tyron Matthew. I think the Chiefs are due, and not only that, but everybody in the AFC West got better. Um, I think they're due for a fall. So I'm selling the Chiefs. And you know what? I'm going to stay in the AFC West, and I'm going to buy the Chargers. I'm going to buy the LA Chargers. I think they've still got a very good defense. I think their offense and um, what they did to improve that, I think Herbert's going to take another step forward. So I'm, I'm, I'm buying the Chargers. I could see them, you know, making the playoffs. I could see them, you know, making a good run, maybe sneaking into the AFC Championship game against the Bills. Okay. All right, Matt's laughing over. Matt, what's your buy-sell then? I'm going to buy the Detroit Lions. Listen, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, you've started this whole Detroit Lions go. If the Detroit Lions go to the Super Bowl, like, I don't know what I'd do. I'll eat my Crocs if the Detroit Lions Y'all go to the Super Bowl. Big apologies. No, I'm going to buy the Lions because they're dirt cheap and starting from the bottom so you can just work up from there. Yeah, but you're getting no. All right, all right. And I'm going to sell. Not much return on investment. Say, <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> by the amount that they are worth, it's not a waste of money because it's like, eh, I'm not out that much. I didn't spend much to begin with. So that's like the, you know, putting the $5 parlay on, uh, you know, the Sabres to win the Stanley Cup this year. Right. You know it's not going to happen, but you're going to lose five. I have more faith in Detroit Lions than I do the Buffalo Sabres. Sabres are going to make the playoffs next year. Uh, Okay. Um, How long have we been saying that? Me? I haven't said that in a good five years. (laughs) Um, And who, who would I sell? Uh, probably, probably the Chiefs just because I hate Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> All right. So Matt and I are both selling the Chiefs. He's putting a miracle in there and buying the Lions. I'm buying uh, the Chargers. I wouldn't have to buy the Lions. They would just give them to me. <laughs> I was going to say, you're just giving. Andrew, who do you got? All right. Um, I think... I'll probably uh, I I'll always sell the Cowboys. Being I mean they're so overhyped. I I I think they're always overhyped. I don't think Dak is a great quarterback. He's always injury prone, and I just don't think he's a great quarterback. They lost Amari Cooper. Zeke's done. Um, the the fact that Tony Pollard is a better running back and they don't acknowledge that is just laughable. So I am I'm selling. The, the Cowboys, it's it's hard to think of a team that's, like, super low that I think can do well. Um, uh, let's, uh, what about, I might, I might, I might throw a couple of bucks at Miami. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I, maybe, maybe Tua, you know, starts to figure it out and all he has to do is just throw it up and let Tyreek Hill run to it. I tell you, he's the missing piece. If Tua, if Tua takes a Josh Allen like step this year, look out because that team, that's a team that we could be saying literally at the end of the year, man, if they had a quarterback, they'd win the Super Bowl because I think they're, they're not loaded on defense, but I think they've got a very good defense and they're starting to get, I think on offense, 
they have enough pieces to do some damage, but I don't know if they've got that quarterback. Yeah. But yeah, that that could be a good one if he takes a if he takes a Josh Allen step forward. Yeah. Look out. Yeah, I, think I like so. how nobody picked the Patriots because they're just nobody thinks about the Patriots anymore. Well, there's a lot of teams that are just like you know, like, like if you think about them as like true stocks, like they're kind of high, and that's just where they're gonna be. There's teams that are low that they're just gonna like you know. I I, I wanted to somehow make some sort of reference to like Carson Wentz because the the what are they the Commanders now Command Commander Carson <laughs> and Kami uh, Ka- Carson. And how he looks terrible in those colors and how like they're already just like a a trash team. And what's like, what's the upside? Like he's, he's not going to do anything for them. I agree. It's just another placeholder. And I find it hilarious that he has to play the Eagles twice who he was with. Um, He actually has to play um, Indy this year where he just came from. And they have to play the Jaguars, coached by Doug Peterson. So he was his former coach. He's got Kelly. he's got four games that he has to go up against like former teams, former coaches. And I hate and to say it, I could legitimately see him going zero four. I want him to go zero four in all of those. <laughs> I want him to go zero four in all of those. I think there's a good chance that he could. All right, we've got two more questions. Matt, do you have one? All right, the cycle will go back to me. <laughs> I tried to get out of one. All right, uh, let's see. Okay, harder sport to win a championship in, in your opinion. Harder sport to win a championship in. Base- we'll go with the top four, baseball, hockey, football, or basketball. Harder sport to win a championship in. I mean, it's it's. I, I think I've had this argument before, just with the different playoff formats. Because let me, let me let me get this straight. So ho- I know hockey's best of seven. Yep. Football is obviously one and done. Um, is baseball best of seven? Baseball, the first round is, isn't it? The first round of best of three. No, it's all best of seven. Basketball's best of five in the first. Basketball is best of five, but baseball. I thought the wild card wasn't it like a, a win and in or something. Uh, possibly, but regular other than wild card is all best. Yeah, like once you get into uh, ALDS and all that stuff, it's best of seven. I hate baseball, so I don't. <laughs> yeah, Same. I mean the the thing about baseball is that like they play so many games throughout the season, and don't don't teams have like so many pitchers that like. You know, it's 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 not like you're getting completely worn down. Like, like you know, how how worn down is your outfielder, you know, getting? Yeah. So like, it's your, it's your pitcher that's the one getting worn down. But you have X number of those. They're only going for a couple of innings. So I I could see baseball teams being able to like last longer. Whereas, you know, hockey, you know, it's all your guys are on the ice giving it your, you know, hundred percent. Those games are what two or three days apart. Um, just being a hockey guy, I, I I gotta say hockey. I was gonna say I agree. I I I think hockey is the hardest to win. Not only that, it's the Knights. I mean, in the NBA, you can say the same thing. It's you know two games and three nights. Sometimes you're playing a lot of games, but at the same time, nobody's 
trying to check you through the boards in yeah. a basketball game. Nobody's going to pick you up and like slam you down on the ice. I mean, I know it's rare in the NHL nowadays to have a hockey fight in the playoffs, but still, nobody's beating you up. I mean, I think just to run the gauntlet in the NHL in the playoffs, I think it's probably the toughest of all four. Now you can say in the NFL, just during the regular season, keeping everybody healthy, keeping everybody, you know, peaking at the right time during the playoffs could be tough. But I think I think the NHL playoffs are the toughest to win. I kind of agree. Yeah. Matt, what do you think? I was gonna say hockey, but I think baseball just because those games can go on for hours. <laughs> And like you said, like you got a set number of pitchers and you're just having a pitching battle. You could, and they have, they have games right after like day one and the day two. If you have a game that starts at seven and doesn't end until like midnight, you got to wake up and do it all over again. Like, and I just can't sit like just going on for just 12, 13, 14 innings of just all of that it's not physically draining unless you're pitching but like it's mentally yeah. draining on you I, I could definitely say that with the pitchers and especially if you've got you know your ace pitcher who went 14 innings in game one he he's probably not pitching at least until game five game six maybe at the at the earliest yeah and by that time if especially if you lose game one he might not pitch the rest of the series and you know you're you got to hope your other guys can win so you're going baseball all right, so two hockey, one baseball. Matt, question number five, bring it home. Uh, what do you got? Oh, uh, favorite power, uh, favorite Power Ranger. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> I don't know a Power Ranger. Well, I know the Voltron guys, but which Power Rangers is a knockoff of Voltron? I mean, it was the red, 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 yellow, blue, blue pink. Pink and black. I thought there yellow. was a green. Yellow. There was a black. There was a black. Yeah, he was. Oh yeah. Or green. It was. It was no, no, green. between green Gr- and black. And white. No, I thought it was white. green and white. So that no, the, I'm getting the, my Voltron the, and Power Rangers. The traditional here. ones. It, you always had a, a red, a blue, a pink, a yellow, and maybe a green. I think it was no. I think you're right. Black. Black. Because green. Because was it was it Tommy was the Red Ranger and yeah. came back as the Green Ranger. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was white ones like in like samurai and stuff. Would they'd be somebody else, not in the core group, but they'd be like a new person. I think I think mine was the Blue Ranger because that was the little kid. Yeah, yeah, that I was, was like say, the, was that the like the nerdy kid? He, he wasn't nerdy, but like, he was like the little one of the group. Like a, like a kid, they were all like teenagers, and he was like the youngest of them all, about like a couple of years. They're all still, thirty-five playing. Teenagers. He's still kicking butt. So, <laughs> um. I don't know. I'll go with, uh, wasn't the middle one, like the quote-unquote captain, wasn't he like the black red. one? Well, no, the, red's captain. That was the red ranger. The red one's the captain? All right, I'm going red, I guess. I, I, I know very little about the show. <laughs> but hey, if you got to pick somebody, why not pick the best? Why not pick the captains? I'm going red. I'm going pink, man. I, pink's my favorite Is color. Is that Kim? Yeah. Kimberly? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know the names? <laughs> I, um, it, it's those little things that like you remember the from a long time ago. Are on Netflix? No, I haven't seen it on Netflix. But there's there's stuff that like sticks into your head that you just like don't forget. And so there's there's a couple of Power Ranger things stuck up there that. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Right. I was like, you're you're wearing the pink sweatshirt. I'll say you got you're rocking the pink power pink. Uh, pink Power Rangers. All right. Uh, so you went pink. What color did you go, Andrew? 
I'm a Blue Ranger. Blue Ranger, and I got red. <laughs> All right. I'm going red. Hey, I'm the captain, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for coming in, Andrew. Um, glad to have you back on the sideline. We definitely have to get uh, Riley in for an episode, whether it's have her come into the studio or have her uh, do it at home on Zoom. But we have to have her come in and have our first ever figure skating stories, stories from the ice, I guess. And no sidelines and figure skatings, but stories from the ice. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Hope you had hope you enjoyed it. Oh, of course I did. Beautiful. Make sure everybody, uh, you follow us on Twitter or on Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines. Um, Andrew, of course, when's your next game? When are you guys playing next? Uh, we are at Iroquois on Thursday the 21st. All right, so let's make sure you go to Iroquois. Make sure you're uh, out there supporting the Grand Island lacrosse coach. Uh, Grand Island lacrosse team as they're doing big things. They're going to hopefully go to sectionals and beyond this year. But that's it for us today. Make sure you check us out Facebook and Instagram at Stories from the Sidelines. And as always, we'll see you next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines.